Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation, news, and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording the show on Sunday, October 2nd, 2022. Uh, Drew, you you were out in, in Austin for, for much of the past week, right? Or Yeah, I was down there for Fantastic Fest. I was uh, a judge on a jury down there. Oh, and that's so cool. Yeah, wow. It was very cool. Yeah, a lot of... You know, midnight movies, Jim, aren't as easy as they used to be. Uh, I will say that. No. no. <laughs> you know, it was like, can I see this thing any other time? But you know what? <laughs> mm-hmm. We wa- I watched all the movies. We gave out the awards. It was really wonderful. So, yeah. It's great. Oh, that is so yeah. cool. I, wow. I love watching you with this sort of standing in the industry. <laughs> Me, on oh, the yeah. other hand, I just got... Well, I was doing the dancing bear thing on the uh, Disney edition, the Disney Wish, which, by the way, was great fun. A lot of very nice people came out for the event. But I, I have to talk about Monday morning. And we're doing the goodbye breakfast. So Nancy and I got our luggage and are getting ready to get off the boat. We walk into where they're having the goodbye breakfast. And, and Len and his sister Chrissy are there like, oh, good, you're here. Okay, you handle the breakfast. We have to get off the boat. Giant hurricane coming. Goodbye. And I was like, what? So for 90 minutes, thank the people who came out for the cruise, that sort of thing. And and only on the drive back do we finally get full cell reception and that sort of thing and, and realize that, Ian is is a thing, you know. Again, in fact, what was interesting, the press event I was supposed to be going to at Orlando. As I'm in the car driving over to Universal, they contact me, and out of a, an abundance of caution, we're canceling the event. And so Nancy and I end up at a, a first watch in Orlando, and are just sort of like, all right, well, what do we do? And it's like, well, we no longer have to stay here because of the press event, so we can go home. But we then start looking for flights out of Orlando, and we don't have a lot of options. And what we decide to do at that point is reach out to Thrifty, our rental car company, and pay an exorbitant fee to change where we were going to drop off our car from Orlando Airport to Manchester Boston Regional Airport. And then over the next 36 hours, we drove home, 1,336 miles. We got home, we returned the rental car, we turned on the television and look at everything that was going on in Florida. And we, we genuinely felt for everybody, you know, in the Fort Myers and Sanibel Island. And I mean, uh, to watch that 18 foot tall storm surge come rolling in and it just, and I, I wish I could tell you that we did what we did because we were smart and we knew what we were doing, but no, it was just sheer dumb luck. It was like, we have no option to fly out. Let's drive. And the irony is I'm headed back down to Orlando today. It's like, oh, well, can't wait for the the tornado or the Black Plague. But anyway, that's not why you're here, folks. You're here for animation news. Drew and I will get to that in a moment, but want to remind you that, as always, the news portion of today's show is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner, the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. To follow up on a story we did uh, last show or thereabouts, we were talking about David Zaslav. What is it? The Warner Brothers Discovery CEO that is kind of controversial. The man who makes JPEG look good. Uh, well, they get a reasonable. Right, right. And and I, I think on the last show we shared the rumor that was making the rounds. It, it appeared that Zaslav was actually getting Warner Brothers ready to sell. In fact, this scenario was in 2024 that... 
Comcast would step up, grab Warner Brothers and its film library and fold that in with NBC Universal. And Zaslav came out strong this week to dispute that. Uh, company-wide town hall this past Wednesday uh, dismissing those rumors, saying flat out, we are not for sale, absolutely not for sale. He then went on to say, uh, this is this recording in the trades, we have the strongest hand in the industry. We have everything we need to be successful, to the, be the biggest entertainment company in the world. And given the story that you did at the wrap earlier this week, it's like, okay, that's what he's saying out of one side of his mouth. On the other side of his mouth, they're still looking for a home for that Porky Daffy film, right? The Day the World Blew Up? Yeah, I mean, multiple animated features they're they're looking for homes for and series. Um, so it was very, I was very honored to be able to share a little bit of the day the were the world blew up or mm-hmm. the earth blew up or whatever it was, because the animation is really. Ama- I mean, did you watch the clip? I did. It just it is so. Uh, again, you know, it, it, this is how much of an animation nerd I am. Did you watch it and say Bob Clampett? This is like so. You know, of the the when Bob Clampett was working at Warner's, you know, there was a certain style and a certain look to the characters. And this is Daffy and Porky back in like thirty nine forty. I mean, it, I mean, it looks great. Yeah, and it was. It looks like it's traditionally. An, I mean, those are those are pencil drawings. Oh, I mean, yeah. that was pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah, and I particularly enjoyed when Daffy was talking. The amount of slobber that flew into the air. It just, <laughs> You know, I mean, it's, it, it warms just, your heart. It does. It's, well, it, it also gets your lapel wet, but it just breaks my heart that these things were that far along and now are scrambling to find homes. Did you hear anything in particular about this at Fantastic Fest? Or no, I didn't. He- I I haven't heard anything since. I mean, I think that they released that clip to me in an effort to kind of like entice potential buyers but i haven't heard if that has subsequently happened although you know just looking at the quality of the animation the characterizations the humor it just seems like a no-brainer to me for somebody but then you run into that question of like what other studio wants to have such high-powered ip if they're you know all the other streamers kind of own different things i mean it would make sense for netflix maybe well, it's interesting you bring up Netflix because also in the past week we got the trailer dropped for My Father's Dragon, which uh, shows up on that subscription streaming service on November 11th. What did you think of that? I mean, I thought it looks adorable. I mean, any kind of cartoon saloon thing, mm-hmm. you know, we have to be supportive of 110%. But mm-hmm. Netflix's animation slate this year has just been very diverse, and I've I have subsequently... I've seen about 38 minutes of Pinocchio as well. Oh. I went to a special screening, which I don't know if I can talk about yet, but okay. let's just say that the Oscar race uh, maybe begins and ends with that one. Wow. So, yeah. It took me three tries to get through Disney's Pinocchio, the Robert Zemeckis film, and I enjoyed Tom Hanks' performance as, as Geppetto. I don't think Tom Hanks is capable of a bad performance. And I, and I think I sent a note to you in particular. I, I love the line where Geppetto's in the boat. And, and again, to give you some idea of what sort of movie, the live action CG version of Pinocchio is Pinocchio is water skiing out to his father in the boat. It's almost like Dash running on the water in 
incredible. It's almost like a motorboating kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But he's explaining that, you know, I went to school. I got thrown into school. Like, I joined a, a puppet show and, and got put in a cage. And then I went to Pleasure Island. And, and Geppetto said, you did all of that in a day? That was a fun bit of writing. But the rest of it just you look at the thing and it was clearly a lot of money spent and a lot of talented people stepped up to the plate but they still delivered a terrible movie i mean there's there's no way to describe that other than it's a really bad movie right yeah i I just don't know i don't know what happened there i mean i think tom hanks probably shot for two days three days maybe i mean he is barely in this movie but yeah i i don't know what happened it's just you know it's like 45 minutes longer than the original which all these remakes always are but good lord was Mm. it superfluous yeah i mean and 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 some of the stuff was so ridiculously self-indulgent like the whole let's cut to the clocks and see you know all sorts of disney ip in there because these are easter eggs this is what will people make people talk about the movie on social media and it's like i'm sorry nothing's gonna make people say what you want them to say on social media about that version of pinocchio which is why again so looking forward to the to the version you get so 34 minutes or or, or thereabouts 38 minutes 38 yeah basically the first third of the movie okay to see but we're still several months out from that, right? We're yeah, as... that is, I believe, November. It'll be have a brief theatrical run, and mm-hmm. then in December, mm-hmm. it will be on Netflix for everyone to enjoy. Got it. And now, speaking of things being shown in theaters, we were just talking about My Father's Dragon, uh, which again, you know, bows on Netflix November 11th. But we also have the Animation is Film Festival, uh, you know, in Hollywood later this month. And isn't My Father's Dragon supposed to debut there as well? Like what on the twenty first? Yeah, yeah uh, I mean, I think that festival is really good. If you're an animation festival and uh, and an animation fan and can get to this festival, uh, you really should because it is it's really great. Um, yeah. I've been a few times, and also I've conducted Q and A's there and mm-hmm. whatever else. But yeah, it's a really wonderful uh, place, and uh, if you have any inclination, you should definitely mm-hmm. visit. Um, well, yeah. now, now speaking of which, supposedly at this festival. Uh, there'll be work-in-progress screenings of both Disney's Strange World as well as DreamWorks Animation, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. But the, the one that really excites me is the U.S. premiere of, a, again, another project at Netflix, Henry Selleck's Wendell and Wild, which you have seen? I have seen. I can definitely talk about that. Okay. Um, yeah, I've seen the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's really wonderful. It's just exactly what you want from it. You know, it's a new Henry Selleck movie. It's totally crazy. It's just great. From what I've seen, it's not quite... Uh, I mean, Pinocchio is kind of a work of art. This is mm-hmm. is sort of just uh, a really interesting, really fun little mm-hmm. movie. Um, and I think it'll be perfect for Halloween for the whole family, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you've already watched Hocus Pocus 2 a thousand times. What did you make of that? I thought it was really fun. I actually mm-hmm. was v- surprised at how much i enjoyed it i have to admit it was kind of the same thing it was one of these things where i was actually kind of worried going into it because hocus pocus 
isn't the greatest film, but it's campy and it's fun and it has three wonderful performances at its core. And 29 years later, it was like, geez, can you step back up to the plate? Can you do that again? But of course, on the heels of Top Gun Maverick, you know, it's like, why did I doubt? That was 35 years, right? That was 36, yeah. 36, oh my God. But they really, they managed to deliver the goods. And and in fact, I, I think what was interesting, I thought the end was surprisingly touching because it was like the audience at this point has a fondness for the Sanderson sisters and to leave it at, at that point or more to the point to, to tee up a possible Hocus Pocus three. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have a problem with that. If that, if that's what they're going to do with these characters and, and that's a level of product they're going to deliver. Yeah. It kind of like, you know, it got us back to mm-hmm. that. It reintroduced them to the franchise. And mm-hmm. then I feel like it's a lot, it's a lot easier ask to come back in a year or two mm-hmm. years than it is to come back after 30 years. So, oh, yeah. 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 I thought I thought they did a great job, and I, I would happily watch the further adventures of there we go. the Sanderson sisters. Yeah. There we go. Oh, well, anyway, to double back to, to Wendell and the Wild, it gets a theatrical release on October 21st. And then it'll be on Netflix on the 28th. Okay. So, right. yeah, I mean, there's just a, the briefest theatrical window and i don't even know if it's playing outside of new york and la that might be a oscar qualifying run got it got it but however you see it do it because it is just great okay speaking of netflix we were talking about how mike moon who is in in charge of animation over at netflix and this is after his stint of course at disney and sony and cartoon animation he has a new home now. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so this is interesting. So Mike Moon is now going over to Illumination mm-hmm. to start slash oversee an adult-only shingle called mm-hmm. Moonlight. Mm-hmm. And I think, didn't they say also that he's kind of advising on everything now, too? Like, he's kind of a, he's a big, you know, deal over there. It's just really interesting. He's had so many different stints and he's worked at Disney Channel mm-hmm. and at Sony Pictures Animation mm-hmm. and his kind of imprint on modern day animation cannot be overstated, I think. So no, no, not at all. It also makes me wonder if he's taking any projects with him, like say the Alex Hirsch project that we have not heard anything oh, about. That would be cool. But isn't Moonlight supposed to be like a brand new division at Illuminations? They're, yeah. They're- yeah, this is something they've never tried, never done before. It's really interesting. I mean, you know, there are there's an adult animation division of Netflix. Sony Pictures Animation is doing adult animation, as I have seen uh, snippets of the uh, King Elvis series as well, oh. uh, or Agent King. Yeah, Agent which, King. Agent yeah. King, which involves a cocaine-snorting monkey who is his sidekick. <laughs> And obviously they're doing fixed over there, and you know, uh, so yeah, I think it's it's really, really interesting that he's that they're kind of embracing this full force. Okay, you tell me, Jim. I don't know. No, Maybe no. I mean, I, I am, I am, I am happy with this development. Anything that allows Mike Boone to use every tool in his draw. And when you think about this guy's career and every place that he's worked, it's like it's going to be interesting to see what he does at Illuminations. 
it would be cool at some point to do a retrospective of everything that Mike Moon has touched. But but speaking of, of retrospectives, this Leica Festival, the Academy Museum, that kind of came out of nowhere, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I don't, you know, there's a lot of like Leica stuff mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you also saw, but mm-hmm. that Coraline and... Paranorman are getting 4K Blu-rays come December. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and let's not forget about the the Leica Life in Stop Motion exhibit that actually started first of last month at the Museum of Moving Image out in Queens. In fact, I, I was planning on catching that on the Saturday before the Del Toro Pinocchio thing opened at the, the MoMA in, in New York. Oh, yeah. You'll be very jealous, Jim, because I actually got to touch uh, and hold the, some of the models from Pinocchio and move oh, them around. And Oh, you're killing me. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nancy and I were at an event for Ardman's Curse of the Were-Rabbit. We are literally in the room with Nick Park. <laughs> and Nancy can't help herself. You know, to the effect of Wallace and Gromit are sitting on the table there and, and just like, oh, can I touch them? And, and Nick Park is no. You know, I mean, <laughs> no, no, you cannot touch them. Actually move them aside. But the kicker, this very same trip, Nick Park, the ghost from Boston down to New York to do a press event, steps out of a cab, cab drives off with Wallace and Gromit still in the car. And, you know, there was just all of these press stories of Wallace and Gromit loose in New York and it took a day or so for them to recover and be returned. But it's like, see, that's the universe. You don't let Nancy Stadler touch your your puppets. The universe gets back at you. If I was in a cab with Wallace and Gromit, I pro- I'm not going to say I would have returned them, is all I will say. They might still be on the shelf right now. All right. So this Leica Festival at the Academy Museum in L.A. So their $5 matinee series. And so we're supposed to get Missing Link, Kubo and the Two Strings, Box Trolls, Coraline. The one that I would really go out for, folks. Two presentations of Paranorman, which will then be followed by Q&As with filmmaker Chris Butler, the writer-director, Arian Sutner, the producer, and Deborah Cook, who is the costume designer. And um, one of the reasons that I love October is that Paranorman starts showing up everywhere again. And in a weird sort of way, we were just talking about Hocus Pocus 2, which obviously is supposed to be set in in modern day Salem. And, and trust me, anybody who's actually been out to the North Shore of Boston, Paranorman gets it right. It's that, that, that tired town where something historic happened 300 years ago. They nailed the look. The sad community that is still coasting on something that happened 350 years ago. Yeah, and I think it's the, is it the 10th anniversary of Paranorman this I year? I want to say, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and just an amazing film. So that brings us up basically up to speed, but we're going to take a quick break here, folks. And then Drew is going to talk about uh, what he got to see as part of the Disney's Strange World long lead. Okay, I read the piece that you posted over on The Wrap about the Strange World long lead. And the elevator pitch for this movie is kind of out there. Well, it's out there, but it kind of, it made everything kind of click in a way, which is why I had to talk about it in the piece, is that they were pitching it as Journey to the Center of the Earth meets National Lampoon's Vacation. That it's, you know, this crazy, high-concept adventure, but at the core of it, there's the story of family 
and, you know, hilarious family dynamics and all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I was I was pretty impressed with what I saw. And I just uh, I don't understand how marketing is not kind of getting this across. But hey, whatever. It's uh, it's not a singing princess movie. So I know the challenge is a little bit greater there. Think about how much high-profile animation stuff has come out just in the past three and four months. I mean, just breaking through that clutter is tough. And also, especially in a world today where you have things that go theatrical and then show up on on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, I actually wonder if this will follow the same formula as Encanto Mm. and show up on Disney Plus by Christmas. And that's actually when Encanto caught fire. I mean, I, I love that story that Lynn manuel Miranda tells about, you know, took his family on vacation and turned off his phone and, you know, after three and four days turned on his phone and you have 10,000 messages. And, you know, and they were all friends from high school. Look, my kid is singing. We don't talk about Bruno. So I wonder if, if that's going to be the same case again. By the way, are, are you getting any sense of that at all? Is, is Lightyear finally digging its toes in and and becoming, you know, that much more prominent and relevant. I mean, I see a lot of people talking about it on Twitter. It'll be interesting to see if they campaign for this one. I am assuming that they will, but I don't know yet. It could be that Turning Red kind of takes the spotlight. (sighs) That's true. That's true. That's such a shame because... Agnes McLean delivered a real movie. I mean, a really good movie. Seriously, folks, if you have not watched Lightyear yet, you're missing out on great fun. On the other hand, over the last week to 10 days, not the internet's proudest moment, particularly with the reaction to the live-action Little Mermaid trailer, the Rob Marshall movie. Well, I would actually say this this is kind of like the best of times, worst of times situation, because... There have been a lot of really cute videos of mm-hmm. young African American girls and, I and will little say black that. kids I, around the, yeah. the world mm-hmm. really yeah. watching this and saying, "Oh my God, the, you know, mm-hmm. it's so powerful." But yeah, mm-hmm. the 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 louder <laughs> contingency are these idiots online. Yeah. Did you see the guy who who wrote the patch that that basically turned Halle Bailey? You know, I think it's a question of hue. And then he said, and then he said, this isn't a racist thing. It's like, uh, oh, no, no, yeah, sure. No, yeah. No, no, no. Look, folks, Drew and I, because we went to the studio presentation at D23, we actually got, we didn't get to see snippets of, of, of Kylie Bailey performing Part of Your World. We got to see the whole number. And we got to hear the stories that Rob Marshall told from the stage where they shot that number over three and a half days and. They really wanted to bring something of size to the show to sort of let people know this is what this is going to look like. This is what this is going to be like. And I, I have to say, when you see the whole number, when you see Hallie perform all of it, she she knocks it straight out of the park. Oh, it, it's amazing. I mean, you will be you will well up multiple times as mm-hmm. the entire audience did watching her yeah. do this. And it's not because yeah. of the visual effects or anything. Mm-hmm. It's because of her amazing performance and her amazing singing voice it's really something else she did an amazing job and little kids all over the world are excited about just seeing that little snippet of her they're, they're going to lose their minds when they see the full-on movie um just over the past week or so 
Uh, I got my hands on a copy of Jody Benson's memoir, Part of My World, uh, What I Learned from the Little Mermaid About Love, Faith, and Finding My Voice. Jody wrote this herself with the help of Karen Trevor. Remember how you and I talked about uh, Somewhere Out There, the Don Bluth memoir that just disappointed? We've been waiting for Don Bluth to tell stories about his animation career forever, and he finally did and, and didn't deliver the goods. I mean, we learned a lot about him sharing a bath with his entire family. So, Well, there's the, that. Yeah. Uh, I have to say, Jody Benson's memoir is the anti somewhere out there. It, it This book genuinely delivers the goods. And Jody is a storyteller. Jo- Jody, d- d- wonderful, entertaining look back at her career. She talked about how she became an honorary citizen of Disneyland in, I want to say, 86. I mean, a, a full two and three years before The Little Mermaid came out because she was in that Howard Ashman, Marvin Hamlish show, Smile, and she performed the number Disneyland as part of the show. And she just tells this story about one night, you know, in the show, she comes backstage and <laughs> there were three Disney suits in her dressing room. And they're like, we heard, you know, we saw the show. Okay. And, and we like the song. Okay. And then the very next night she's doing her bow and, and suddenly the audience is making noise that she's never heard before she turns around and there's somebody in the Mickey Mouse costume from the parks on stage with her and they stop you know the finale to present her with her honorary Disneyland citizen thing there in the show with with Mickey there and no idea that the mermaid you know little mermaid will be teed up beyond that that Howard will take her along on this journey and she doesn't pull any punches i mean this book takes you into the hospital room where she says goodbye to Howard. Uh, and I was, we're losing him to AIDS. This book takes you into the recording booth with Mr. Ashman, where he keeps trying to explain to her that I didn't hire Ethel Merman to be, you know, the little mermaid. You, you can stop singing as if you're in the Lantfontaine trying to make your voice reach out to 1500 people. And, you know, all the folks in the balcony, you have to do less. You have to, you know, you're talking to Flounder. In fact, that's the, I, I think what's fascinating is to read about how Howard coached out of her the performance, the original performance of Part of Your World. And it then goes on. I mean, it just, it, it talks about her ongoing relationship with the Disney company, her work on Enchanted, that the number of times she's appeared with her fellow Disney princesses and at events and sung, you know, concerts with them and that sort of thing. And there's a lot of Disney history in here, but there's also, she does talk about her private life. She does talk about her faith, but not in a shoving it in your face kind of way. In short, again, you know, if if you're looking for, you're a fan of The Little Mermaid, or if you're having just enjoyed Jody's work over the years, I, I really recommend going out and chasing yourself down a copy of, of Part of My World. Now, I apologize, folks, because uh, this is kind of a shorter version of fine-tuning than Drew and I typically do, but <laughs> I've got to run to the airport, and Drew, you're, you're headed off to, to play a Vista, right? Yeah, they're actually showing Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol in its original IMAX format <sighs> for the first time since December 2011, so... Me and Charles were gassing up the light the fuse mobile, and we're going out there. Are you still continuing your light year the fuse series? Or, or, yeah, or we've you... got one more this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, our final part with uh, light year director 
uh, Angus McLean and mm. cinematographer in in charge of camera and layout Jeremy Lasky. Mm. So oh. still got more great stuff. That was a really fun three parter to do. So check that out this week. By the way, we have a couple of podcasts here that we'd, we'd also like you to listen to. We have, of course, Disney Dish that I do with, with Len Testa. We have Marvelous Disney, which I do with Aaron Adams. We have Looking at Lucasfilm, I do with Brian Gunn. Can you tell the nice folks where they can find you online, Drew? Sure. Uh, Drew Tailored, like a tailored shirt on Instagram mm-hmm. and Twitter. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media, and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. And that's going to do it. So, <laughs> like I said, Drew's headed out to the Playa Vista. I'm headed out to the airport, but we'll be back next week with a brand new show. Till then, thank you for listening.